Amen, amen. You guys can go ahead and take your seats. You just take that. Thank you, guys. Love you. Thank you, Lizzie. Appreciate you. Amen. Thank you, worship team, with that brand new sound. I hear you. I hear you guys. Hey, I know we had planned tonight to be uh, down the hall, but uh, the work that was going to be done in this room, if you haven't noticed, some of the sound paneling and some new speakers had gotten put in, and that all got taken care of ahead of schedule. So we thought, why not be the guinea pigs? Uh, and so if you have this, like, there's like a weird smell coming off those things. That's just new packaging, so don't freak out. Don't worry about if your neighbor stinks. They might, but that's why we have masks on tonight. Just in case your neighbor forgot deodorant, we're going to take care of that. Um, I just want to real quick recap some, some big announcements to make sure everyone's aware. Obviously, uh, tomorrow there is no small groups because we have momentum and we are excited and ready for that. Uh, here's the deal. If there is anyone in this room right now, or even if you're watching online, and you have not registered for momentum, you are not signed up to go, but in your heart, you'd really love to be there. Let me know, and we will get you there. We will make a way. We will make an opportunity. There is still just maybe a couple spots here and there where we can squeeze you in, even if it's in a different small group. Um, but we want to make sure that everyone who wants to experience what God has this weekend gets an opportunity to do that. So if you know that, or if you have a friend who really is interested and wants to be able to come last second, hey, just let me know. Uh, I'm notorious for throwing people on the bus last minute because I just want people to experience what God has for them. And so if you're interested in that, let me know. For those of you who are already signed up, just keep in mind tomorrow we need you here at 10 a.m. at the latest. We need to make sure that everyone is accounted for because we paid for that bus and I get you know, I pay for every minute. So we want to make sure that you're here on time so that we can take off. And we're going to have a great amount of time. It's going to be really, really fun. I think there's like 2,000 kids that are going to be at this thing. And so just keep in mind that we're going to be wearing our masks throughout the entirety of the event. Uh, while we're at the church, while we're in our seats, we're going to be remaining with our masks on uh, just in case, you know, because you never know. Uh, your boy caught it, even though he was fully vaccinated. And so I want to make sure that you guys are safe and that we don't become super spreaders when we come back. And, uh, and I don't want your parents yelling at me. Amen? Uh, so I, I want to mention one more thing. As we were getting ready uh, to close out worship, I started talking to you a little bit about choices, about a choice you have to make about who God is. And I've been thinking about that a lot, choices. I think oftentimes, especially when you're a teenager, you feel like you don't get a lot of choices. You feel like people just tell you what to do and you have to do it and nobody wants to hear what you have to say about it and it's just do as I say and do it when I say it and shut up, right? Let's, let's be honest, you guys ever had that? Uh, it's like you don't get choices and if you're like me, you know, you, your mom on Saturday morning throws up the salsa music for you to wake up, that's usually you like that music until it's Saturday morning because you know that music means you gotta get up and start using that fabuloso and get the floor all clean and get yourself all situated and you don't have a choice, right? It's not like, oh, I don't feel like doing that right now. It's like, no, no, you do it now. And so I get it. As a teenager, a lot of times with a lot of things, it's like you don't have a choice if you want to go to school or not. You don't have a choice if you get to do your homework or not. We just feel like we don't have a lot of choices. But the reality is life is really just a series of choices, choices you make every single day. And you make millions of choices every day. You chose to wake up this morning and get out of bed. Some of you chose to brush your teeth. Others thought, I'm wearing a mask anyways. Who cares? 
You chose to eat and drink something today. You chose to be here tonight. You chose the words that you spoke. You chose the seat that you sat in. You chose what to look at online. You chose when to pick up your phone, what to check, who to text back, who to ignore. Which, by the way, how many of y'all are those people that leave people on red all the time? Y'all are monsters. Messed up people. You know, you, you, look, you ever look at your friend's phone and they got like 78 messages and it's all the little red button and you're like, you are a horrible human being. Um, but that's a choice, right? You choose to ignore their text, you choose to ignore their call, or you choose to answer it and you choose to follow up. There is plenty in life that you don't have control over. You can't control, obviously, you know, where we're at in the middle of a pandemic, hopefully trending into a, an endemic and, and starting to trickle down, but we don't have a choice on how that plays out. You can't control what other people do and how they interact. You know, when we're at momentum, if other people are going to do a certain thing, I can't control that. Those aren't my students. I'm not responsible for them. That's not within my control. You can't control uh, the policies that your schools lay out and, and how they decide to do things and how they decide to, to initiate protocols. You can't control what happens to you, right? Oftentimes, there are things that happen to you that you have no control over, you had no control over who your parents were going to be. You had no control over where you were going to live. You had no control over what that individual did to hurt you. You had no control over the circumstances that happened to you, the people at school who bullied you. Oftentimes, you don't have control over certain things. But you can control how you react to what happens to you. And I think too often we worry about the things we can't control, and we forget about how many things are well within our control. We get caught up in the fact of feeling helpless and feeling like there's, there's nothing I can do and this is so outside of my hands and over my head and, and I feel like I'm drowning and the reality is there is plenty you do have control over, you're just not taking control. There are plenty of decisions that are on you and even when it comes to the things that you can't control, you still have control over how they affect you, over the kind of ownership that it'll have over you. Some people, you feel like, well, that pain and that hurt and that stuff that they did to me, I have no control now over how it's affecting my head. And the truth is you do. You're in charge of your head. You're letting them live rent-free inside your mind, and you don't have to do that. There are choices that you make on a regular basis, and there are some choices that I think we have to make every day. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up in 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read in chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Listen to what the Word of God says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay? A lot of times we're wondering, well, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? What's his will? What's his desire? What's his plan for my life? Here's part of it. To rejoice always, to pray carefully, to give thanks in all circumstances. These are three choices that you have control over every day of your life. Three choices that you get to decide if you are or are not going to do it and how it affects you. And if you're taking notes, I want to look at the first one. You get to choose to rejoice. That's an interesting word. It's not a word that I think we use very commonly in our vernacular. But I do think you need to understand what the Bible says when it says rejoice. Because having joy is more than just having happiness, right? It's getting close to Christmas time, and you see those signs, joy to the world, and peace, love, and joy. And, and we hear the word joy a lot. 
And I think we misunderstand joy as happiness. But joy and happiness are very different things. Happiness is a result of the things that happen to you. So you don't have no control over your happiness sometimes. Because if bad things happen to you, you're not happy. Right? And that's like, you ever have somebody ask you if you're mad when you're obviously mad? And it's just, it makes you more mad because it's such a stupid question. Like, are you mad? You're the one that made me mad. Why are you asking me that? Okay, get ready for when you get married, guys. That'll be a fun time. Are you mad at me? Yes, I'm mad at you. Those, I haven't even been with anybody else in 24 hours. You're the only person who made me mad. And sometimes you got no control over that, right? It's just what happened. It's something that occurred to you. It's something that happened to you. Happiness is dependent on circumstance. Happiness is a reaction to what happens. And sometimes you have no control over that. But joy is different. Joy feels the same, but is rooted in how you choose to act on what's happening to you. See, joy is a result of your proximity and your closeness to the relationship of God. Joy comes from the Lord while happiness comes from circumstances. So I can be in a messed up circumstance and still have the joy of the Lord in my heart. I can be in the middle of pain and still experience joy. I can rejoice when my life rips out of me because I still have the joy of the Lord deep within me. There is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness comes from the circumstances around me, and I can't always control that. But my God is faithful to supply me with joy whenever I need it. And so I can always be in the middle of joy. You ever met, especially a believer, you ever met somebody who no matter what they're going through, the joy of the Lord is in them? Doesn't mean they're happy. There's this peace, there's this love, there's this joy that just comes out of them that sometimes is unexplainable. The Bible often will describe it like the peace that surpasses all understanding. Like, how are you at peace in this situation? I remember there was this one time early on when I first became a youth pastor, there was a young man who had been coming to our church for a few months and he had just given his life to the Lord, but he was still a new Christian. And uh, I got a call from his guardian saying that uh, he wanted to talk to me because he had some questions that he was struggling with. And what I had found out was that his little brother, I think his like 13-year-old brother, was playing softball at school. And they hit a line drive to him. He dove to catch it, landed on the softball. It broke his sternum, and he died on the field. And he wanted to ask me, why would God kill his 13-year-old brother? And I'm like, I have no clue how to answer that. No idea. I called every pastor I knew. I looked through every book I could find. I Googled everything I can Google. I'm like, how on earth am I, that, there's no good answer to that question. And so I'm nervous. I'm freaking out about meeting with this kid. And it was a Friday. We had small groups. And I look out, and he's playing with all the kids during small groups. And uh, I'm like, hey, bro, did you, did you still want to meet with me? He's like, yeah, we can meet. And we sit down, and he doesn't look sad, and he doesn't look upset, and he doesn't look angry. And I'm like, hey, man, are, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I go, you mind me asking, like, how you got to that point? Because, again, I'm sitting here going, aren't you supposed to be in shambles freaking out? I said, well, why do you seem so at peace? He goes, my, my five-year-old cousin helped me out. I'm like, bro, I got to hear this. What did your five-year-old cousin do? He said, we were at the funeral, and everybody's crying, and everybody's sad, and my five-year-old cousin was just sitting there, just not crying and not sad. And I went over and I asked him, how come you're not sad? And he looked at me and he said, because he's with Jesus. And 
it just kind of made sense to me. And I've accepted that. And I'm just like, man, a five-year-old did in one minute what I couldn't do all day. But why? Because when you're little, that joy of the Lord is deep within you. Because there's such a deep faith and trust in God. See, that's why the Bible says you have to have faith like a child sometimes. Because up here, we over-rationalize, overthink, overwhelm. But joy comes from deep within your soul. It is a soul connection to the soul of God. And when you have that soul connection, you can have joy in the midst of the worst things you've ever gone through. You can fake happiness, but you have to choose to have joy. Listen, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 says this. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I remember talking to, uh, to the guy who mentored me and even my boss at work. There were times where I'd get chewed out because I'm dumb. And there was one time where I was messing up a lot. And literally, I remember the pastor who was mentoring me and helping me become a pastor. Uh, I remember one time we were having this thing. I, I really messed up. And he goes, Joy, what are you, stupid? And I'm like, yes, I've been trying to tell you I'm stupid. I don't know why I did what I do. I just did it. <laughs> and I just kind of was like, I, I'm stupid. What do you want? <laughs> Obviously, I learned later on not to say that about myself. But I remember in that moment, I struggled. But here's the reason I kept going. I remember telling him this. I know that you love me. And because I know that you love me, I'm not going to sweat when you come down on me. Because I know it's out of love, not out of hate or sadness or anger. So I can take care of that. I love that this verse says, for we know how dearly God loves us that we can go through problems and trials and we know that God's gonna use that to bring me through it and get me on the other side and make me stronger on the other end of it. So I can endure that pain, even though I'm not happy going through it, like Sal today as he was putting those pregnancy simulators on his stomach and almost doo-dooing himself because the electricity was zapping his stomach. Good job, bro. How much did you raise for Speed the Light with that? $400 by going through pain, that's what's up. Okay, so listen, he can endure that pain because there's joy in the middle of that because he knows that God is gonna produce something on the other end. See, that's why despite what you're going through in life, you can't choose if that's gonna be happy or not. It's, just, it's not a happy situation, but I still have joy. And joy will sustain me when happiness isn't there. Joy will carry me when I don't carry myself anymore. The joy of the Lord is my strength, the Bible says. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. He will fill you completely with joy and peace, not because you deserve it, not because you're great and awesome and good enough, no, because you trusted in God. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy is such a powerful thing, but you have to choose joy. See, when, when situations happen in your life, when circumstances start to well up, when, when you're starting to go through the worst of it, you can't 
decide those things that are happening to you. You know, most of the time, you're not having those things happen. They're not self-inflicted wounds. They're just stuff that happens. So you have no control over that. But you do have control on how you're going to react to that. Are you going to turn to God or are you going to turn from God? Are you going to lean into his presence or are you going to try to fight the battle on your own? And the Bible says this, and we just so we looked at it. When you trust in him, right, he will fill you completely with joy and peace. There have been plenty of things in my life, plenty of scares, plenty of moments where I was terrified. I, I talked about this last year. My daughter, uh, Olivia, who's now two months old, at one point during her pregnancy, we thought that my wife was going to miscarry, and we ended up having to go to the hospital. And at the time, because of COVID protocols, I couldn't go into the hospital. So I sat outside. Literally, we got there like at one in the morning. I sat there till about five, six in the morning, wondering if my baby was alive or dead. That, I wasn't happy, guys, in that moment. But the joy of the Lord filled my heart as I sat in that car and I read his word and I prayed and I asked God to strengthen me and to save my child. The joy of the Lord filled me to the point where, yes, I wept, but it wasn't tears of fear and anger. It was tears of joy and trust and saying, God, I'm going to lean in on you because i got nothing else to lean on right now. And obviously, my daughter's two months old, so everything worked out. But I need you to understand no matter what you're going through, you still have a choice. And you could choose God and allow his joy to strengthen you through what you're going through. Or you could choose yourself and dig in deeper into the pain that you're feeling. That's why I like that the Bible says as we were reading, right, rejoice always. I like that word rejoice because it means sometimes you're running low on joy. You got to fill up again. All right? Joy doesn't just, it's not like you fill your tank. Wouldn't that be great if you had a car and you filled it once with gas and you never had to refill it? But that's the problem, right? That, that we get joy. Like we, we go to momentum and the joy of the Lord fills you up and you walk out of momentum. You're like, man, I am full of joy. I am full of the strength of God. And somehow you think that joy is supposed to last you the rest of your life. So you never go back to the source for a refill. And the Bible says we go from glory to glory. Man, I am constantly going to the Lord to get refilled with his joy because God exists outside of an event once a year. God exists every day, every moment in my life. I can constantly find joy in the Lord because I am refilling in him. Some of you need a refill tonight. Some of you, you've been running on the same level of joy since your last big event and you're wondering why you're struggling while you're full of anxiety and depression and anger. Maybe you need to refill. The verse also continues to say, rejoice in the Lord always. And then it says, keep on praying. The problem is, especially with prayer, is that because the results of prayer aren't as instant as a Google search, we give up too quick. And let's be honest, right? I think I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, our ability to wait on things sucks. It just does. Like, think about if you're trying to search something on Google and, and the Wi-Fi is a little off wherever you're at and it takes like three or four seconds, you're sitting there like, oh my God, forget it. <laughs> you ever like, I'm, if y'all like me, this is true, right? You'll watch a video, let's say it's like on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, whatever. If you're watching a video and a commercial comes on, how many of y'all will stop watching the video just because the commercial came? You're like, that's oh, not even worth it, right? Because you won't wait 12 seconds for a video to stop. You're like, oh, I have 12 seconds of my life. I'm going to move on to the next boring video that I'm just sitting here watching. And that's the problem is we are used to instant gratification, to microwave, to internet, to speed. Like I want it now and I want it fast and I want it at the moment that I ask for it. 
We don't really have to wait on much anymore. I mean, if you want anything, you can get it on Amazon and it'll be at your house tomorrow. Like that's the speed at which we live with. And so the problem with that is that has now uh, caused us uh, to misunderstand waiting on God. And so when, when we pray and we don't get the answer immediately, we think God just says no and we move on. That's why we, I think often, we stop praying. We pray once, we didn't get the answer we wanted, we moved on. But Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 12, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 12, says rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. There's a continuance to prayer. Prayer isn't a one-time thing. Prayer isn't a last-second Hail Mary. Prayer is a continual aspect. What if the answer to your prayer is on the next prayer? I, I, I used to say this a, uh, a few times. I would joke with people. Y'all don't get it because you're not at my age. But when I was a kid in high school, going to the bus was a different experience than most of y'all had to go to the bus. Like now y'all got these fancy apps and it'll tell you where the bus is and how long it'll take for the bus to get. When I was a kid, we had to guess. And I straight, I remember in the winter time, you'd just be sitting there freezing and you'd do that little thing where you walk in the middle of the street to see if the bus is coming. And then you'd walk back and then you get this idea, right? What's the idea? I'm gonna walk to the next stop, right? I'm gonna walk to the next stop because I don't know why, there's no science to this, but in your head, if you walk to the next stop, it'll feel like the bus comes faster. And sure enough, you start walking to the next stop and Dang it. <laughs> and it's never just one bus. It was like five buses would come by. You'd be like, dang it. Why? Because there's no patience. Because we wanted the things we wanted now. And oftentimes, your lack of waiting actually causes you to wait longer. Some of us, we need to learn to be persistent, to stick with it to stay on. And that's why uh, every Wednesday night when we come together as a church to pray, they're saying that we often say is, is push. Pray until something happens. I'm gonna pray until I get a no, a yes, a maybe. I'm gonna pray until God moves. Until I hear God move, until I see God do something, I'm gonna keep on praying. And there's persistence that brings results. And you know, it's funny, I, I love my wife to death and she's awesome. And uh, we always joke that she's not a great gift giver. Uh, she, she very much, you just got to tell her what you want and she'll get it for you. And so that's what she does. Like, just tell me what you want. And so last year I was like, well, I want a PS5. So when PS5s come out, I want you to get me one. And y'all know when that PS5 launched, it was a nightmare to get it. I looked at my poor wife. She stayed up for five hours refreshing and clicking on Best Buy to get my PS5, just trying to check out. Literally, she fell asleep with her finger on the button. I looked at her, I was like, babe, just go to bed. It's fine, I don't, it's not that important. She was no, I'm getting it for you. <laughs> and sure enough, five hours later, checked out. And I had my PS5 in November of last year, and I've been, I don't play it much, I have two kids. But I have it. <laughs> and I, I'm grateful that my wife didn't give up, even though people told her to give up. Listen, when you pray, there's going to be a lot of people, even with good intentions, are going to tell you to give up. But you get to choose, am I going to give up or am I going to trust God? Am I going to press in or am I going to walk away? And some of us, we walk away just at the moment where God is going to move. And I think, does God, God can do it whenever he wants to do it. But sometimes, for whatever reason, God makes you wait. 
And I think there's, there's good reasons why God would do that. There are some times where my daughter, who's only two years old, my oldest daughter, she comes up to me and she tells me what to do. She'll be like, get me strawberries. And I'm like, nope. Could I get her strawberries? Yes. Well, I know, because I don't want her to feel like I'm a trained dog that gets up whenever she tells me to get up. <laughs> she gonna learn, you wait on me. I'll do it when I wanna do it. You are not in charge, I'm in charge. Why would it be different with God? Why does God have to jump whenever you say jump? Why does God have to move whenever you say move? Sometimes, maybe sometimes, this is speculation, but I think sometimes God makes you wait to teach you something in the waiting. There's a lesson that he's trying to show you in the waiting. To trust me, to abide in me, to wait for me, because I'm in charge. And not to give the illustration too much, but if you've ever trained a dog, and I'm not saying we're dogs, you know, please don't find yourself disrespected in that. But if you've ever trained a dog, one of the things you'll see with dogs, especially if you're trying to you know, teach them to obey and to do what you need them to do, is when you open the door, you go through the door first. If the dog goes ahead of you, you have to pull the dog back and teach them, I go in first. And the reason you do that is if you don't teach a dog that, a dog will always run out ahead of you every time you open the door, and it won't be long before Fido runs ahead of you into the street and gets run over by a car. <laughs> you teach it to abide by you because you're protecting your animal. Well, sometimes God needs to teach you to slow down, to wait, to lean on him, because you don't know what you're running into. You don't know what you're running ahead of. And you don't see the things that God sees. But that's why we constantly pray. That's why we keep on praying. We keep on trusting. Because I don't want to move unless you're the one that's telling me to move. I don't want to speak unless you're giving me the words. I don't want to act unless you're giving me the direction. So going back to that verse, right? It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Number three, if you're taking notes, you got to choose to be thankful. Man, let's be honest, this is a hard one. Because we are really good, and it's very easy to choose to complain about things. We are great at complaining about things. Everyone does that, right? I'm tired of this, I'm tired of that, I can't stand this, why did they do that? Why doesn't the government do this? Why doesn't my parents do that? I'm sick of not being able to hang out with my friends, I wish we could do this. Why are we still in this building? Why aren't we in the other building? Why is P. Joy doing this? And how come the leaders do that? And blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Like, you realize it's not helping anyone, including yourself, to just complain. We are so good at complaining that it's no wonder we have trouble being thankful. Because we only ever see what's wrong. We never see what's going well. We only ever see what's wrong. And we have to learn to be thankful. We have to learn to recognize the things that are going well in our lives, the things that God is doing in our lives, the miracles and the blessings that we have on a regular basis. Listen, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to give God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Oh, if we can learn to be thankful. If we can learn, instead of complaining about the things we don't have, to recognize the things we do have. 
Instead of saying, oh, God, I got to go to school today, to recognize, man, there are so many people in the world that don't have an opportunity to get an education. And I get to be educated. I get to learn, to read, to write, to elevate my status in life. I have an opportunity to grow. Oh, I got to go to work today. When there are so many people who are living on $2 a day, you actually get paid pretty good money. Oh, I'm getting paid minimum wage. I only get paid $15 an hour. Hey, I get it. I started getting paid $5 an hour. But again, you have the luxury of choosing to say yes or no to a job. But if we can learn to give thanks to God, to say, hey, I woke up today. I don't have COVID. I'm not dying of cancer. I'm not struggling. God, thank you that I can breathe today. Thank you that I can have a home to live in, that I woke up in a bed. Thank you, God, that I have a place to sleep and shower and, and take care. I thank you for the food. that I, Like, there are so many things. If you wrote a list of all the things you had to be thankful for, I guarantee you it is much greater than the list of things you have to complain about. But you got to choose which list you're going to look at. You got to choose which list you're going to live by, which person you're going to be, which situation you want to call yourself into. Oh, that we would be thankful. What kind of testimony will you have when you're constantly complaining? Who would want to serve your God if you're always complaining about your life? I don't want that life. What would people think of your faith if you constantly talk about how bad your life is? Then I don't want your God. Your God sucks because you're always complaining about your life. But when you see someone who's full of joy, who's full of gratitude, who has thankfulness in their heart, who's always grateful for every little thing that they have. I remember uh, my uh, brother-in-law, he told me growing up, he grew up in Mexico and he had one toy, one little wooden toy thing. And one day his mom was like, hey, clean up your toys or I'm going to throw them out. He didn't listen. The mom threw it in the fire and he never had a toy again. One toy. I'm sitting there like, yo, I'm glad I had my little Batman figures and all this stuff. Like, again, sometimes you just don't recognize what you have until you see what others don't have. Imagine if any situation you found yourself in, you were able to look for the things to be grateful for, the things to be thankful for. Could you realize how it would switch your perception of your situation? How it would change the way you view things and the way you look at stuff? Sometimes the reason we feel like victims is because we treat ourselves like victims. But the Bible says that you are more than victorious. You are more than victorious. What does that mean? You're not just a champion. You're a six-time champion. Uh, You didn't just win. You dominated. You didn't just barely make it. Because of Christ, you are more than overcomers. You slaughtered the competition. We got to live like champions and stop treating ourselves like victims. Worship team, if you can come up. The other month, I was reading through the book of Genesis, and uh, I was reading with some friends of mine, and one of the things when you, when you read with other people, it's interesting the kind of questions that people will bring up, and uh, sometimes there are questions that there's no real good answers to, but as we were reading in Genesis, there was an interesting question that came up with the Garden of Eden. If you remember the story of Adam and Eve, the Bible says that God spoke to them and said, hey, you can eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat of that tree because if you eat of that tree, you'll die. And then the story goes that a serpent came and spoke to Eve and lied to her, convinced her that nothing would happen, that what God said wasn't going to be true and that she would eat it and she'd become like God. 
the Bible says that Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, and as a result of that, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Not just that, but they were eternally separated from God and ushered sin into the world. And then someone brought up this question. Why would God put that tree there? If God's the one who established the whole thing, if he spoke the world into existence, if we read in a few chapters that God created man, created animals, created plants, he created everything, he put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden. So what they were saying is, did God set up humanity for failure? Did God set them up to fail? And I don't think that's the case. I think what that tree represents is one of the greatest gifts you and I have outside of salvation. And it's actually such a powerful gift that it's how you and I got saved. That tree represented the gift of choice. See, if the tree wasn't there, then they would never have a choice to obey God or to disobey God, which means their love for God would be manufactured, not genuine. It would be something that was forced on them, not something that they chose to have. They could choose to trust God or they could choose to disobey God. They can choose to love God and obey his word or they can choose to follow their own suit. But they had a choice. So God didn't make them eat anything. God warned them. God gave them clear instructions. God told them what to do. But they had a choice. And it's the same choice you and I have. Every day of our lives, we have a choice to obey God or to disobey God. To believe God is real or to believe he's not real to put our faith in God or put our faith in ourselves. Every day, we make constant choices, and here's the reality of those choices, is you individually make the choices, and you as an individual will have to suffer the consequences or reap the benefits. And you can't blame anybody, because it's your choice. You can't get mad at God. You know, a lot of people say that, like why would a loving God send people to hell? He didn't, you made a choice. You chose to not be with God. And so you get the default consequences to that. That's not God sending you to hell. I use this illustration all the time. Like, whatever girl I've ever dated before my wife, like if any of my exes ever showed up to my house and was like, that's not fair. You should let me live in with you. You should let me eat your food. You should let me live off of you. I'm gonna be like, uh-uh, homegirl, you made a different choice. Go with your little bum boyfriend. Leave me alone. <laughs> Why? You chose who you wanted to be with, and now that you made your choice and you don't like the results, you can't come back to me and try to get in my house. And that's the reality, is that one day you'll stand before God, and I love that the Bible says this, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord, because whether you believe or not, one day you will believe when you stand before God. But at that point, it's too late to have a choice. You've already made your choice. So for me, in this earth, while I'm here, I'm gonna choose to believe that Jesus is everything he says he is. I'm gonna choose to put my faith and my trust in him because God gives me the freedom to choose so that my love for him is genuine as his is for me. So that I can't blame God for my circumstances we have the gift of choice, but the question is, what will you choose? In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 15 through 19, listen to what the word says. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice 
between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter in and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. This powerful word right here that was spoken over the people of Israel after they had finished wandering in the desert before they were entering into the promised land. But I think it's a choice that God has still given us every day. And he says it very simply. Hey, I'm giving you a choice. It's a choice between life and death. A choice to believe or a choice not to believe. If you believe... I'll bless you, I'll honor you, I'll guide you. Listen to what the word says, right? If you believe, if you do this, you'll live, you'll multiply. God will bless you, the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if you turn your heart away, if you refuse, then I warn you now, you'll certainly be destroyed. So I'm gonna ask you to stand as we get ready to close. In a moment, I'm gonna to talk to the believers in this room, those of you who have a relationship with God, because I think there's choices we need to make tonight. But I'm gonna ask you for just a moment to bow your head and close your eyes. Just This is between you and the Lord, and I just want you to focus on my voice and not worry about everybody else. There's really nobody else looking around at you. Just, I need you to hear me out. Tonight, I wanna to offer you a choice, a choice between life and death. This is not a choice of religion. I'm not asking you to, to go into that tank and get under the water and get baptized. I'm not asking you to jump through hoops or take some classes. I'm asking you to make a choice. And here's the choice. Do you believe Jesus Christ is everything he says he is? That he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and mine so that you and I can have a relationship with him again just like Adam and Eve did in the beginning? so that he can restore that connection with you. That not only did he die on the cross, but three days later he rose again, conquering death, so that you and I can have eternal life. Or I think we make it a lot simpler. Today God has given you a choice. Choose him or reject him. And I believe if you choose him, in the process of your life, God will show you what that means. And God will guide you into a deeper relationship with him. And it won't happen all overnight, but that's the beauty of a relationship with anybody as it grows over time. But I need you to know tonight that it's your choice. You don't have to do it. But whatever consequences are on the other side of that choice, you do have to endure. So if you're here tonight and you've never made that choice to follow Jesus, you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, I wanna give you an opportunity to make that choice. Or maybe you have at some point in your life, 
Maybe you grew up in some religion or something, but you haven't really had a real relationship with God. You've drifted away and you've just kind of been faking it and going through the motions. Tonight you have a choice between life or death. And like Deuteronomy says, oh, that you would choose life. So with every head bow, every eye closed, young man, young lady, if you're here and you say, pastor, I wanna choose life. I wanna start a relationship with God. I wanna figure out what this all means. And I wanna accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. With no one else looking around and no one else peeking, this is between you and God. All you gotta do is signal me by lifting up your hands and I will walk you through a simple prayer that'll do just that. If there's anyone here who says, Pastor, that's me, would you just show me by lifting up your hand real quick and then you can put it down. Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. I'm gonna ask everybody to repeat this after me just so that we, we don't leave them alone because the Bible says, man, you make this prayer, you enter into a family. Now, here's what I need you to understand. There's no magic behind the words, right? It's faith. It's believing that God is who he says. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you are saved. Now, there's a lot that comes on the back end of that. You can't just say, I do at the altar and then never see your wife again. Like there's a relationship that has to be built on the other side of this decision. But the decision is very simple. And so I'm gonna ask everyone in this room to just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you've given me a choice tonight. And I ask you, God, to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be my God. I choose you today, and I choose you every day of my life. I thank you, Lord, that you chose me first. I pray, God, teach me how to love you the way you love me. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now listen, just stay in this moment, because I want to pray for the believers right now. Whether you're going to Momentum or not, and I think most of you in this room who are believers, you are. You have a choice over the next 48 hours. You can choose to get everything you can in that moment where we're gonna be together in the presence of God. Or you could choose to goof off and ignore. You can choose to receive the word of God and respond or you can choose to hear the word of God and ignore. You can choose to chase after the Holy Spirit like you've never done, or you can choose to just have a nice field trip but have no impact. What you get out of this weekend is 100% on your shoulders. I'm asking you, would you choose to get absolutely everything you can from God this weekend? Choose for transformation, choose for God to do something that'll never leave you the same. Because here's what I know, God will meet you where you're at and God will take you where you wanna go, but you have to choose to follow him. So I'm gonna pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every individual in this room, God. Beginning with me down to the youngest person, Lord, I just pray right now, even in this moment, God, as we mentioned earlier, as this momentum begins, God, I pray that we don't stop that. I pray that we carry this momentum as we board the bus tomorrow morning, God. 
As we make that quick drive up to Naperville and we begin to fellowship and we begin to laugh and enjoy our time together. Lord, we're thankful that we can have fun and that we can experience joy and we can have those opportunities. We know how impactful those are. We are desperate for those, God. But not as desperate as we are for your spirit and your presence. God, I pray for life-changing transformation in the next 48 hours. God, I pray that we would walk out of those doors never the same. God, I pray that there would be these definitive moments, God, that years from now we'll point back and say, that was the moment where everything changed. That was the moment where I let go of all the pain and baggage. That was the moment I was called in to vocational ministry. That was the moment God sent me on the mission field. That was the moment God instilled worth and personhood in my life. That was the moment God healed me from my sickness and my pain. God, I pray for life-changing moments that we would come back filled with testimonies and stories of your goodness. And Lord, I pray even more than all that that we would carry that momentum back here the next time we meet, that we would take hold of this ministry as we've been saying over and over again, Lord, that the teenagers in this room will understand that youth ministry is only youth ministry when the youth are ministering. So, Father, I pray that they would take ownership over what you've given them and that they would grow this ministry like never before. We thank you for it all, God, and we choose you today and every day after. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said? Come on, y'all. Everybody said? Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? Hey, here's here's how I'd like to close out. Two things. Again, if if you want to go tomorrow, even if you got no money, we'll figure it out, okay? Matter of fact, I was getting a haircut last week. I told my barber about how many people were trying to go, and I'm like, yo, we're probably losing a lot of money because just people can't afford it, and we're just letting people go. And before I left, he said, hey, here's a payment for two kids to go. And he just gave me like $260 for kids to come. So God will always make a way. I believe that. I trust in the Lord for that. So if you want to go and your parents let you go, and that's a big, like your parents have to let you go. I'm not kidnapping you. Um, but if your parents let you go, it's in Naperville. We're not far. Man, I'd love for you to be there if you haven't been able to, to do that. We just need your permission slip, and we need to be able to talk to you afterward. Second thing, um, make sure on your way out, if you are missing anything, form or whatever, talk to Haley, get that stuff taken care of. We're going to make sure everything's locked and loaded. Be here tomorrow. What time? 10 a.m. All right, do not come late if you know you're late. And please, for the love of God, it's an overnight trip. Do not bag 16 suitcases, right? Just one bag is fine. We, you know, we don't need 15 outfits, guys. You're all right. Uh, but we know that God's going to do some great things, so make sure you're ready for that. Amen? God bless you. We love you. They're selling boba tea in the back. Still pushing for speed of the light. We'll see you tomorrow, 10 a.m. sharp.